The following episode is brought to you by JK Strength and Fitness, a place where Coach John brings science back to lifting and fitness and exercise. He teaches you how to lift right and lift properly. Come check us out sometime. Hope you enjoy this episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast of JK Strength and Fitness called Turf Talks. I'm sitting here with Maggie. Hey, everyone. And uh, we've got a pretty good episode coming up for you today. It's about supplements um, and purpose behind them, what they're utilized for. Um, what else we got talking about today? Yeah, we're going to focus a lot on supplements. This has been highly requested, kind of put it to the top of our list because of it. Um, a lot of different people with different questions, but we're going to answer those and then get into specific supplements and yeah, talk all about it. Okay. Let's see what we got first. All right. So the first question that I want to dive into, I think it'd be kind of a good way to start off meal replacement shakes. So a lot of people that are looking to bulk drink mass gainer, right? Or something of the sort. Or in this case, this question was submitted that question says, I forget that I don't have time and I don't pack a lunch. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading this wrong. Okay. Is weight gainer a sufficient replacement for a meal that you miss? If you don't have time, if you can't pack a lunch in the morning, if you're moving really fast, can you use a weight gainer or a mass gainer as a supplement to an actual meal? Of course you can. And I'm going to start off this whole topic of conversation with this statement. Um, supplements are exactly what the word means. It supplements something you're not getting in your natural diet or not getting your daily intake. So if you're not able to get sufficient amounts of protein, carbohydrates from natural foods, then you're going to have to supplement a meal or your protein or calories with something else. Easiest way to do that is a protein shake or a meal replacement shake. It's quick, it's easy. Usually it's a powder form that you mix with some sort of liquid. And it's, you know, you intake it within a couple minutes from the time you pour the powder in the container, shake it, and drink it. So it's exactly what it is. <clears throat> but aren't you kind of missing something? Like if I don't have time to eat my chicken and veggies for lunch, so I put a meal replacement in a shake, am I still getting the same vitamins and minerals and all the stuff that chicken and broccoli would give me? Usually meal replacement shakes have enough ingredients and nutrition to supplement a natural meal. Um, and then you, the next question is, why don't I just drink all shakes? It's yeah. super easy. So what natural food does your body is it speeds your metabolism up because it takes time and energy to process the food within your body. So if you're on a strict liquid diet, yes, you're getting some nutrients in your body, but you're not speeding up your metabolism. You're not going to absorb as much as a natural food because it is a synthetic processed ingredient. Um, it's not man-made. They don't take a chicken breast, dehydrate it, pound it in a powder, and now it's a chicken powder. Um, it is Most of them are synthetic. I'm going to say all of them. Or they have synthetic ingredients that take the place of or supplement your natural foods. So they're good for short term, they're good for intermediate, they're good for quick fixes, but not good for total reconstruction of your diet. 
um, and they do not have the same effect in your body as natural food does. So this question that I read kind of poorly in the beginning here basically says, you know, every day I don't, I don't really have time to pack lunch or I'm, I'm forgetting. Can you, would it be okay to supplement every day one meal? Like, could you supplement your lunch every day with a mass gainer, but you're still getting breakfast and dinner? Yeah, for sure. That's something that daily, um, if you need it in your day, just to get the calories in, get the nutrients in, yes, you have to do it. It's better than skipping a meal. It's better than going to a fast food restaurant and getting some fast food or, you know, picking up something from a vending machine. So, yeah, it's the better option if you are not able to get a, you know, three calorie or a three macronutrient meal in. Yeah. Quick additional question, because you were talking about, you know, if you were on all liquid diet, what do you think about juice cleanses? I'm not a huge proponent of cleanses in general. The purpose behind a cleanse is to cleanse your body of toxins that you've been ingesting. So let's take a person that's been having cereal for breakfast, um, a fast food McDonald's egg McMuffin, or some sort of fast food for snack, a cafeteria made meal for lunch, and then picking up a pizza for dinner at night. All those are synthetic, processed, not natural, actually terrible foods for you. So that person would probably benefit a lot from a cleanse to get the toxins and unnatural foods outside their body. If you're a person, fitness person like me or Maggie, that eat our eggs in the morning, our natural oatmeal, have our vegetables four or five times a day, have our natural protein contents, um, grilled, not fried, and eat 95% healthy, those foods aren't toxic. That's what our bodies are made to do. So there's really no need for a cleanse if you're eating natural, healthy, organic, sometimes whole foods. Um, so juice cleanses, again, the liquid diet, you're not going to get the right amount of protein in. If it's juice, usually juices are vegetables and, and uh, fruits. So the protein content is super low. Um, great for on top of your natural meals. Have a juice for breakfast, have a juice for lunch, but don't take away your natural whole foods that your body needs to process and digest in order to get the, the nutrients in. Yeah, I feel like once people find out that it's not speeding up your metabolism, they'll drop it because who doesn't want a fast metabolism? Well, For I sure. guess people that are bulking don't want a fast metabolism. Yeah, it's the uh, opposite of the right metabolism you want, though. Um, you will lose weight on a juice cleanse, but chances are you're going to lose muscle mass. And you're probably going to need a calorie deficit. The best way to lose weight, as we talked about in a previous content, uh, podcast, is to be in a calorie deficit no matter what. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but losing weight is calorie deficit. Losing body fat is manipulating your calories into uh, burning fat as an energy source. So with that and, you know, kind of the examples, you said this is my last question about the juice cleanse and we'll get right back to the supplements, but wouldn't mass gainer, protein powder, pre-workout, can't all that be considered? I mean, I don't want to say toxins, but there's a lot of chemicals, right? It's like you said, you don't just mash up a chicken breast and pound it and drink it. So would that be considered toxins? How do you feel about someone who eats, let's say completely clean? You always say from the, from the earth or from an animal, right? That's what you should be putting in your body. Right. Then we also have these additional supplements that we promote like protein powders, pre-workouts, um, which we'll get into, 
But what's your thoughts on that in putting clean things into your body and then having these supplements? The majority of supplements from big time companies and big time factories are lab tested and have been processed by healthy organizations and been passed um, by doctor's approvals and not the FDA because they're not into the supplement factory. I was going to say not the FDA. No, but they've been tested by universities and labs and all sorts of stuff that make sure their chemicals are exactly what they say it's in in the ingredients. Um, Are they toxic to some people? I'm sure they are. I'm sure some people are allergic to some of the ingredients. there's a lot of names on there that I, you know, I can't pronounce and don't know what's going into it. Um, so if you want to detox from supplements, you know, cut them out of your diet. I don't think you would need to go to a juice cleanse or a, yeah. a lemon pepper, cayenne pepper, water only for seven days cleanse. But, you know, if you're starting to feel insufficient gut health and maybe some sort of bloating or um, GI discomfort, then try cutting out some supplements and see what happens. Yeah, I cut out whey protein, and it was a life game changer. Yeah, well, whey protein is milk-derived, and usually if you're lactose intolerant or lactose sensitivity, you will bloat and have discomfort from any kind of whey protein. Yeah. Kind of pivoting onto that and the protein, you know, we've, we've talked about why protein ingestion is important and why it's important in 20 minutes, right? The the garage door to a shed door, that analogy that you did in the other episode, Um, but a question that we had submitted was what's the difference between protein supplements and what's the best for absorption? For example, is whey protein better than something like soy or hemp or pea protein? So our bodies are made up of meat, um, muscle mass, bones, ligaments, tendons, which I mean, for all considered purposes is similar to animals. Um, they have blood, they have muscles, they have bones and ligaments and tendons as well. So ingestion of whey protein, which is animal derived is if your GI tract can handle it, um, of course, a much better source for protein absorption than a plant protein or pea protein. So our bodies are not made up of plants. And if you look at the digestion and absorption rates of certain plants, it's in the fifties and sixty percentile. Um, whereas most animal products are in the 70s and 80 percentile. So whey protein, you absorb 70 to 80 percent. Plant Correct. protein, you absorb. 50 to 60 percent. So yeah. if you want to get the right absorption, you almost have to double or triple the amount you take in order to get the absorption rate you want. And then if you're willing to pay $70 for a two-pound bag of animal or plant protein, you're going through a container once every week. Yeah. Um, so it's a cost-benefit. Um they are healthy for you. They're no more healthy for you than a whey protein supplement, a beef protein supplement, an egg protein supplement. So plant protein, pea, soy, all that isn't healthier than whey. No, it's not going to be healthier. It's just based on your gut health, your GI Mm -hmm. health, what your body can handle. Um, and based on preference, some, you know, vegans need some sort of plant protein supplement because they're not getting enough protein, um, through natural plant processes. Yeah, that makes sense. And we've kind of talked about the absorption, the fact that liquid absorption of protein after Correct. a workout, we've, yep. we've talked about that. Um, okay, I think that makes a lot of sense just in terms of protein. Is there anything else that you want to talk about <laughs> in regards to, you know, protein consumption, uh, you know, the different types, maybe give your recommendation? 
Yeah, I mean, there's different types of protein out there. There's three of them that I usually go to. Um, so right after workout, Hydro Whey is a very small chain of protein that gets absorbed super fast. It's also the most expensive because it is the smallest chain works. and it works really well. And most people can absorb it very, very easily. Regular um, gold standard way, ice isolate way um, is a little bit longer chain. Also great to have post-workout. Takes a little bit longer to digest. Not terrible. Um, that's your basic protein that you're going to get for most supplements is whey protein isolate. Um, then you have casein protein, which majority of people know to take if you're aware of protein, um, more towards at night. So casein protein is what you have in red meat. So it's very long chain, very slow digesting, great to have at night so that your body can process protein um, within the first four to five hours when you sleep. So you're not missing out on protein absorption during the night. So let's say if you have hydro at night, you'll get in your system out or fast, but also out of your system fast. So you're missing the hours of absorption unlike you have with casein protein. Longer chain, longer lasting, great for nighttime. So it's the reason that you want it to absorb at night is so, can you talk a little bit more about the night hours? I'm so while you sleep, that's when your body recovers. Okay. Not in the gym, not during the day, it's right. at night and recover. So if you have an a protein supplement in your stomach and your bloodstream, your body will use it to help repair muscle tissue during your sleep. If you, that's why protein at night is very important. Some sort of lean meat, steak, chicken, fish um, is great to have at night because then your body will use it for recovery during the middle of the night. Casein protein is a longer chain, so your body will absorb it for a longer period of time. And can casein protein is that in any food or that's literally a supplement that we have to buy? It's in trace or small amounts in red meat, which is why red meat's usually eaten at night. Um, has been for years, but it's better off in a supplement because you're not getting um, the triglycerides or the fatty acids from yeah. steaks and stuff at night and the majority of the time. Do you think there's anything to be said mm -hmm. of, you know, you want protein closer to when you go to sleep but at the same time, you know, there's all this stuff. Don't eat after 8 p.m. Don't eat it after 9 p.m. You know, if you go to bed at, let's say, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, but you're eating a really healthy dinner-filled protein at 6 o'clock, would you suggest like some sort of a pure protein supplement or shake right before you go to bed sure. for recovery? Yeah, sure. That's fine to have. Um, I just tell a lot of my people that they shouldn't have sugars at night. You can, if you're hungry at night, have protein and vegetables. It's perfectly okay to have. It's not going to store as fat overnight because it's easily digestible and very easily processed. And just, you use the protein at night to recover. Vegetables don't have a high calorie source, so you're not going to store that as fat. Um, especially those who want to get stronger and building muscle mass, I highly suggest to have some sort of casein protein at night or eat your last meal fairly close to when you go to bed as long as it's protein and vegetables or just pure protein yeah every time i tell you i'm hungry at night and you tell me to eat vegetables my craving just somehow goes away <laughs> food. it's not very appetizing but it <laughs> no. works really well um okay kind of pivoting onto our next supplement here lots of questions about caffeine um and caffeine let's talk about it in all forms right pre-workout energy drinks coffee all of it how does it do 
let's start with recommendations and suggestions for working out. Um, let's start there. What's your caffeine suggestion? So caffeine is a stimulant. That's the basis of it. So it's supposed to increase your heart rate, increase your alertness, um, awake, make you awake, um, heighten your awareness, things like that. So, I mean, I, I'm addicted to caffeine. I think most people are in one way or another, either teas, coffee, pre-workouts, whatever. Um, it does what it's supposed to do. It wakens your body up. It increases your heart rate. It start. It is actually a fat burner for a small amount. Um, so, I mean, it works. It works really well. That's why it's in a lot of pre-workouts. Daily dosages are... Few and far between. Um, for athletes, you want about, I think it's seven milligrams per kilogram of body weight or seven grams per kilogram of body weight. Yeah, so my recommended dose is about 600 milligrams in one dose for optimal usage. Um, 600 milligrams? Correct. 600 milligrams. That's your so optimal dose for being your height, Correct. weight, and just to put it out for everyone. Correct. So I'm roughly about 100 kilograms. So it is about six to seven grams per kilogram of body weight, um, which would put around 600 to 700 kilo, uh, grams per dosage for optimal usage. So caffeine was originally designed for long distance runners or originally given to distance athletes, distance runners, distance skiers to give them more energy for a longer period of time. The anaerobic athletes, such as power lifters, fitness people have adapted caffeine and the spike it gives you for the short term um, effects of workouts for an hour, hour and a half, where actually caffeine's half-life is about six hours long. So you, you see the effects of it for about six hours um, after ingestion, which is mainly used for long endurance athletes. So if someone, a JK member, right, wants to take pre-workout before class, when do you suggest that they do it for optimal performance time-wise? It's different per body, obviously, I'm sure, based on absorption and all that, but generally a guidance. Yeah, generally, I would say between 15, 20 minutes before you work out, if you want the caffeine to stimulate in the beginning. Um, caffeine, some people recommend taking it right before you work out so that you feel the effects about 20 minutes into your workout. So when your body naturally starts to fatigue from the first 20 minutes of exercise, the caffeine kicks in and actually reboosts you to have a longer, better workout. Yeah. Um, so it all depends on what you want. If you have a workout that's going to be an hour and a half to two hours long, you probably want that caffeine about 15 to 20 minutes into your workout to boost you the rest of the way. If your workout is going to be 55 minutes to an hour, you might as well use it in the beginning because by the end of the first hour, you're already fatigued anyway. So it's no big deal. You'll have a great start to your workout. I sometimes struggle with taking too much caffeine, I feel like, because I drink so much coffee during the day and then I do, you know, the 4.30 class and I end up and I take pre-workout before. And sometimes I feel like it almost hinders me during a workout. Is that a me problem? Is that typical? Can... So caffeine stimulates your adrenal glands, uh, which is where you get the energy from the adrenal glands. So caffeine's half-life is six hours. So let's say you have two cups of coffee in the morning, it's about 140 to 160 milligrams of caffeine. Let's so you have it at 7 a.m. By 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock, it's half gone, which means you still have about 70 milligrams in your body, 70 to 80 milligrams. And now you have another cup of coffee at lunchtime. So now you're bumping it up from 70 to now, you know, 210 grams because you're adding 180 to 100 grams, maybe two cups of coffee. So it compounds and then you go have 200 250 milligrams of caffeine 
right before your workout. So now you're bumped up even more. And as your adrenal glands spike and start to decrease, the effect of it's going to be a little less and less. Um, so that your body almost gets used to it. You can very easily get addicted to caffeine and you will need more and more in order to feel the effect of it. Um, which is why some people are on, you know, six, seven, eight cups of coffee during the day because they don't actually feel the effect of one or two. So you need to detox, here's your detox term, from caffeine in order to get a lower dosage to have the same effect. Um, the problem with that is when people start to wean off caffeine, they get bad migraine headaches mm -hmm. because your body's addicted to a supplement and it's convulsing and throwing fits and doesn't like when you start getting off something it's so used to having. Yeah. Well, and I also, too, when I say, you know, sometimes I feel like it negatively affects me is, and my, I feel like my heart's beating so fast. I feel like I'm going to pass out sometimes. Like if I have so much caffeine that I almost feel like it's too much that I can't work out. Is this just a me thing? Uh, not just a you thing. <laughs> it does, it does happen. Um, it just means you had too much at that time. So usually when you feel the full effects of caffeine is when you haven't eaten in a while. It means your body absorbs it fairly quickly and you get almost the full dose. Same as alcohol. Quick. Correct. Same as alcohol. So if you eat, let's say an hour to a half hour before you work out and you have the caffeine, you won't feel the full effects for a little bit and you'll slowly digest and absorb it. If it's on an empty stomach, you probably will feel the full effect, which is why some people, they take a pre-workout for the first time and they haven't eaten in a while. They might get nauseous. They might feel really sweaty or very shaky. Um, you're feeling the full effect of a high dose of caffeine without any buffer effect yeah. in the middle of it. So just be careful. Slowly, you want to adapt to it. If you're taking pre-workout for the first time, start with a half scoop, kind of work your way up. Make sure you eat something beforehand or with it, and you'll start to buffer the effect and kind of slow it down. Just look at the effect of it. Just not slap in the face. Yeah, slap in the face, like itching all over like crazy. Itching actually is a niacin <laughs> effect, which is what most, here's a little side tip, what most pre-workouts have for you to do, quote unquote, feel the effect of it. So niacin actually just puts blood towards the surface of your skin which caused the itching effect and the blotchiness. Um, it really doesn't do anything as much. It's a placebo? Niacin is pretty much a placebo, but you feel like it's working. So therefore, you're going to buy it again and repurchase the product. Um, so if you see a supplement with high doses of niacin in it, chances are it's not going to be very good. It's fake. Um, and it's just a feeling of pre-workout rather than the actual pre-workout. Oh, my gosh. You heard it here first. Mythbuster. <clears throat> bit of information look at the nice and content that's yeah that's really good to know okay i am gonna pivot away from caffeine and now on to everyone's favorite supplement that everyone's talk about all the time i have no idea what this is or what this does so you really gotta explain this from the basics what the heck is creatine and why is everyone so obsessed with it so Without getting too nerdy and talking about the physiology of the body, you have three different energy sources that your body can pull from. <clears throat> energy source one is oxidative or your slow burning, long distance, um, you can quote unquote fat burning process. Um, it's called oxidative. So it's not powerful. It lasts for a long period of time. Most runners, long distance athletes use oxidative as their energy source. Energy source two is called glycolysis or your carbohydrate burning. Um, there's fast and slow glycolysis, but we'll just talk about glycolysis for 
nerdy reasons. Um, <laughs> that's what the majority of people use during any workout from two minutes to an hour and a half, two hours is your carbohydrates, which is why I strongly push carbohydrates before your workouts that you have the energy stores in your body to last the hour, hour and a half and have a great workout. Energy source number three is called ATP phosphocreatine. That is your high power, high strength, high explosive energy source that your body can use, um, but it it depletes pretty quickly. So here's my analogy I love telling everyone that has this question for me. Oxidative is like your your Honda Civic, 38 miles to a gallon, small tank, but it can go forever. Your carbohydrate system or oxidative or a glycolysis system is like your average uh, let's go sedan um, normal car 25 miles per gallon steady reliable long consistency but you know you need to fill up every 300 400 miles not every thousand miles now you go to your atp fossil creatine that's your high performance sports car that's your lamborghini that's your ferrari your bugatti where you punch the gas pedal, you get so much horsepower and power out of it, but you can almost watch that gas tank needle go down. So it, you have it, it's in your body, but you burn it very quickly. So we're talking about our power lifters, our Olympic lifters, our um, shot put throwers, our sometimes football players, depends on the movement they have. That's what they use as an energy source. It's very high power, high strength but you fatigue quickly with it. So the purpose of the creatine supplement is to replenish your store over and over and over again so that you don't fatigue as quickly on your high power, high strength movements. So for example, you do a power clean at 200 pounds for three reps for your first set. You do power clean for 200 pounds for three reps your second set. Now you start to fatigue, it's getting heavy. You do 200 pounds for two reps, your third set. And then by the fourth set, you're able to do one um, max effort I'm talking about. Now, if you take a creatine supplement, you're able to go three reps for not just two sets, but three sets or four sets or five sets. So you can keep your high power, high strength sets for a longer period of time. Now, when you do that, you tear up more muscle tissue because you're activating more muscle, muscle for a longer period of time. So when that happens, everyone thinks creatine holds on to water. The purpose behind it is you just tore up a crap ton more muscle tissue. So your body's going to hold on to water to help repair that muscle tissue. And because your body needs water to help repair stuff. If you don't actually hold on to water because of the creatine, you hold on to water due to the amount of muscle tear that you did, you caused. So that's creatine. So it's kind of a performance enhancer for sure it's a performance answer it's a great performance answer and it's also a legal that's what i was gonna say why is it not illegal because it's found in steak and red meat so your body can uptake in any kind of red meat um the problem is that it's very very small dosages so if you want to get the recommended doses which is between four to six grams you need to eat about 48 to 72 ounces of steak most human beings can't eat that in one sitting. So therefore you're not getting, and you need it every day. So you're not going to get the right amount of creatine um, just through natural food sources. Our bodies, if you look, think back thousands of years ago, really didn't need the high power energy source over and over and over again, maybe once, maybe twice. But after that, throwing the stone, picking up something, you know, it wasn't very <laughs> prevalent. 
um, now that we're training for that purpose, our body needs to supplement with it. So the best creatine out there right now is creatine monohydrate. It's a very easy source on your body. There's a couple different sources out there, um, like ethyl ester and diphosphate, but those are not proven to change anything different than monohydrate. Monohydrate is also the cheapest one and most available. Is there any sort of a warning you would want to give people that are starting it? Is there anything that people should be careful of, or is it just fine? Creatine is absolutely 100% safe. Um, I give creatine to my kids when they're 10 years old. Oh. Um, might as well. It doesn't do anything besides help them um, do things better for a longer period of time. So the doses with creatine back in the day used to be you want to take a loading phase and then creatine for a couple of weeks, then get off of it. So there used to be a certain phase that you wanted to get on. New research findings are you can stay on it for as long as you want, as long as you intake it in your system sometime throughout the day. So what I recommend my clients is you want between five grams, four to five times a day. So 20 to 25 grams a day for the first week. You want to oversaturate and pump as much into your body as you can. After the first week of 25 grams, you drop it back down between four to six per day, every day for as long as you want to, and you're perfectly safe, perfectly fine. There's no heart disease. There's no any kind of bad things attached to creatine usage in the body. So creatine's basically a pre-workout? It can be taken as a pre-workout, as long as in your body before you work out or during your workout or after your workout. That's really all that's necessary in order to use it. So it's just got to be available sometime in your body. Okay, so I guess I kind of thought we talked about pre-workouts because we talked about caffeine. But is there a difference or are there other things that you want to add specifically about pre-workouts and I guess energy drinks as well? Because some people interchange them. Right. Energy drinks are considered a pre-workout um, or a pick-me-up or you want to call it. But they have certain ingredients like caffeine. Um, some of them have yohimbine. Some of them have beta-alanine. Some of them have niacin. So you got to barely look at the ingredients that's on the back of the bottle. Those that do not have caffeine and are considered a stimulant, they have B vitamins. B vitamins are great. They work. They work really well. Um, I just don't particularly agree or like as much due to the doses that you're, are in the, in the supplements. B, you mean like BC? B12, B6, B3, they're B vitamins. Got it. So if you look at the back of anything with a B vitamin, let's say five-hour energy. There's no caffeine in five-hour energy. They have B vitamins. It's like 3,000%. 6,000%, 12,000%. So if you're eating or drinking something that's that high of a percentage above the recommended daily value, I don't think it's safe. Not safe. I don't think it's the best for your body. It's not recommended. Right. It's probably safe. They're just vitamins. They're water soluble. So if you drink water, they're going to digest and flow out of your system. They're not terrible. I just don't think something's necessary for 3,000% of your recommended daily value. Yeah, that makes sense. So going off of pre-workouts, there's tons of them out there. I can name you know, 15 off the top of my head. I'm a pre-workout advocate. Um, I cycle between a couple of them that I really enjoy. Um, right now I'm on Lit. LIT is pretty good. It's got 280, 300 milligrams of caffeine. There's some other stuff in it that I really enjoy. Um, just make sure you look at the back of the bottle on what's inside of it. If there's you know a mile long of ingredients, Maybe stay away from it. Again, all these supplements are not regulated by the FDA. 
So unless you know a very well-known brand or manufacturer, you never know what's really inside the supplements. You just gotta be careful of what you take. So one thing that's really good inside of a pre-workout besides caffeine would be beta alanine. So beta alanine um, buffers your pH levels when you work out. So, you know, when you work out and you get that burn, people will say it's lactic acid. Well, it's not really lactic acid. It's a hydrogen ion that builds up as a byproduct of your muscles working. Can I pause you right there? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Can you please explain this? Like I'm five. So hydrogen as in like hydrogen and oxygen is a byproduct of your muscles working. It's a, it's exhaust from a car. So when you work your muscles, hydrogen ions break off. Hydrogen is a positive ion, which means it's acidic. So that's where the burning feeling comes in is your body produces hydrogen as a byproduct and it burns. That's acidic. Um, <clears throat> so what beta alanine does is it kind of buffers and limits the amount of burn your body produces as it works out so that you're able to go a couple more reps without feeling that extreme burning pain, which causes most people to stop. So if you're in taking beta alanine, you can actually get a couple more reps before your body's forced to stop due to the extreme pain that you're going through. Those extra couple reps over time are going to build muscle faster and get you to where you want to be faster, burn more calories. So beta alanine is a great supplement to have. Um, it's not the end-all be-all. I'm not saying take it, you know, you'd be a thousand times better, but it's also a good supplement just to look at um, inside your pre-workout. <clears throat> now, the difference between pre-workouts and fat burners are the the purpose behind them. So fat burners, you can take as a pre-workout due to the caffeine content, due to the stimulus of your body, but you have to be really careful what's in it. There's a lot of pre, uh, fat burners that come on the market and get taken off due to the people, I'm going to say this as politically correct as I can, people that take it think it works really well with the recommended dosage. So more is always better. So they double the dose, triple the dose, and just like anything, if you overdose on certain supplements, bad things can happen. You get certain side effects. So if something happens to someone that had took more than the recommended dosage, chances are the person's going to, or the manufacturer will take it off the market due to the bad PR that they're going to get from it. What's the difference between a fat burner and a diet pill? So a fat burner and diet pill are fairly the same thing. Depends on the ingredients. Usually a fat burner is a stimulus, a diet pill usually limits your satiety rate or your appetite. So it inhibits your body from wanting to eat more food, um, which again, just creates a calorie deficit, which in turn you lose weight, not necessarily body fat. Do you recommend either of them or is it very case by case? Very case by case. I definitely don't recommend diet pills. I don't think it's great for people. You block nutrients that your body needs to survive and be, and stay healthy. So I'm never a proponent of, of diet pills. Um, some doctors prescribe it, recommend it. I would try that as the last resort possible, if anything, if ever take it. Now, fat burners are great. I think they're good under certain usages. Got to be careful with stacking them with other supplements because of the high stimulation effect of them. There's very few out there that I say work. There's a few ingredients I would say have to be in them for them to work. Um, now that's over the counter, Yohimbine is a great um, supplement to be in pre, uh, fat burning pills that actually does work. If you want to know what Yohimbine does, Google it yourself. I don't want to talk about it on a podcast. 
Um, now I'm really interested. <laughs> there you go. Go look it up. So Johan Vine is great. Um, green tea extract is another decently effective fat burner. Um, you can do the cayenne pepper and lemon effect, which is somewhat told to be a fat burner. Um, if you can find it, it is off the market. But ephedra is probably the number one best fat burner that's out there. They took off the market, as I was talking about earlier. Someone thought the recommended dose was great. So let's take 10 times what it is and it's going to be better. So there are some supplements that have it in there still. Some doctors prescribe it. Great supplement if you can get it. Other than that, most over-the-counter, quote-unquote, fat burners are mild. And they're not going to work really well due to the fact that if you take a whole bottle, nothing bad will happen. So they have to be super mild. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. And it's good to know that you don't really endorse diet pills and that there is a big difference between them just because in the name inherently they sound very similar, right? If you take Correct. a diet pill, you're probably going to burn fat, but they're not the same. And I would say if somebody has more specific questions about either of those to come talk to you because, I mean, you can probably get pretty out of hand with those quickly. For sure. And I'm a huge supplement proponent, so don't think I'm bashing on all supplements. I try them. I take them. I use a lot of them, but there's some that I would stay away from, some that are unnecessary, and some you shouldn't waste your money on. So if you want to think about taking some supplement, um, definitely come ask me. Age and um, gender and also fitness um, age has a lot to do with which ones are best for you at certain times. So definitely, if you have no idea what's going on, um, just come ask. I'm very open to it, giving my honest opinion. I want what's best for you and what's healthiest for you. So that's, that's my position. Yeah. And if there are general questions about specific ones too, you can always submit it to the podcast and we can answer on the next episode, kind of following up on this. Sure. It goes to a follow-up. I'm sure there's gonna be tons of questions with all the controversial statements. <laughs> um, Anything else about supplements specifically? Um, they're great to take. Again, going back to the original statement I made in the beginning, they are supplements. They take the place of something you should naturally get in your diet. If you can go a whole diet without any supplements, that's great. They have their time and place for them. Just make sure you're using them wisely and in their proper form and dosages. All right. Well, I do have one additional topic I want to talk about. It'll be brief. I just didn't really know where else to stick it. And I'm thinking of this as like an external supplement. I have gotten many questions and you have gotten many questions about external body temperature and what it has to do with burning fat. So hot yoga, hot Pilates. Um, you know, I got a question the other day from someone someone texts me hey can you ask john it's my favorite now i'm like submit it to the podcast right um hey can you <laughs> ask john about you know uh uh what she called a, a heat suit right wearing something to make my body temperature so hot so that i pour water out and i just felt like it somewhat fit in supplements in terms of making your body do something i don't know it's kind of a stretch but we're tacking it on to the end here can you talk about heat and working out and burning fat. One of my all-time favorite quotes that lots of trainers have used and continue to use is sweat is your body fat crying. <laughs> I've never heard that before, but it's on t-shirts, whatever. So sweat and fat burning almost have nothing to do in common. It does not, it's not an A plus B that equals C. So sweat 
is or sweating is your body cooling itself off period so when your body temperature internally raises not externally internally your body sweats to cool off the body that's what it's meant to do the evaporation of the water molecules in your skin cools the skin off the blood on the top of the layers right subdermal underneath your skin goes back to your heart in a cooler temperature therefore it cools the inner parts of your body down so all these external heat sources are pretty much counterintuitive if you think about it because it's heating the outside of your body up to help cool the inside of your body off so the sweat that's on the top of your skin to cool your body off technically is in a hot or heated state which means it's not going to cool your body off as it evaporates and your blood recirculates. So it doesn't do anything scientifically. And I mean, to me, it's just plain and simple, but right. And there's a lot of those infrared places and all that. I mean, I still love sweating more during a workout and I love workouts in the summer and hot yoga because mentally I, you know, probably because we've been conditioned to think that sweating means you're working harder. So mentally, when I break a good sweat, I feel like I had a better workout. My day goes better just for my mental health. But yeah, it's good to know that, you know, don't torture yourself if you don't want to. If your pure goal is burning body fat, don't go into a 90 degree room for no reason. No, there's no point of that. Um, and in the, sweating has a lot of other hormonal effects than just body fat sweating and making sure you work out. So like you said, it is mental it does help your body process and cleanse and do all sorts of things. You're getting toxins out of your body. You're cleaning your skin, your skin up. So there are effects of sweat that are positive, but it does not directly correlate to you burning more calories or burning more fat. Infrared is a completely different uh, animal. We can tack on it another oh. time. Oh, we could have had a whole heat podcast. We can definitely do heat podcast sometime later. I could dive back into it. Um, so going by your thermal suit or plastic suit or sweatsuit that some people have, let's say you put a sweatsuit on, usually wrestlers do it, um, people who want to cut weight drastically quickly. Yeah, it's going to cut weight, but your body is, you know, 76% water. So if you cut two or three pounds of water, you're actually dehydrating your body. And one to 2% of dehydration actually negatively affects your body systems. You start to shut things down like a car can't run without oil your body can't run without water so the when you sweat and you wring your shirt out and drench and there's drenched and sweat pouring everywhere you might have lost two pounds three pounds but the second you drink water after your workout you're going to gain that water right back it's it's subcutaneous water which is just underneath your skin um which your body puts back really quickly so when the next time it gets hot it's able to sweat and cool the body off so those thermal sweatsuits are the biggest joke in the world. <laughs> I, I can't stand it. It's I'm, I'm getting in trouble for this, but it's stupid people that use them that have no idea what's going on. They can really injure themselves in the process of it, and it's very unhealthy. So if you know someone taking one, tell them to talk to a doctor. Tell them to talk to someone professional and make sure they get help that they're not going to really damage themselves in the process. You heard it here first. Just looking out. Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for answering my last question tacked on here. Um, I think that's all we went pretty over this time, but supplements are a very um, big topic and the heat question I've just gotten so much recently. So 
thanks so much for walking us through that and explaining all these things to me like I'm five. No problem. Anytime. All right. Thanks, everyone. Hope you have a good night.